Hello, welcome to another McLaren Fans podcast. Uh, this week, uh, I'm your host, Andy Donnelly. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Mark Taylor, who's uh, been our co-host a few times, standing in for Sarah, who unfortunately can't make it this week because she's, she's ill. Uh, hello, Mark. Hi, Andy. Okay. And uh, uh, all the way from uh, the Netherlands is uh, Joost. And uh, I will say, uh, good avond. I think yeah, that's yeah. right. Good, good, good avond. Okay, right. Um, my, stop, stop showing off, Andy. Hey, stop showing off. Well, <laughs> I, did, I did live in the Netherlands for eighteen months, but unfortunately, yeah, all I good. can remember is "hello, goodbye," how to order a beer, and what the Dutch word for the rabbit is, and that's it. <laughs> can we move on, please? Okay. <laughs> but I enjoyed my time over there. It was beautiful bland and lovely people and I wish I'd known that there was a McLaren fan then because I would have gone and seen anyway uh welcome Just. um yeah let's have a little kind of uh how did you become a McLaren fan and um you know what kind of led you to be uh part of the Dutch McLaren fans where there's quite a big group of you now and if you could tell us a little bit about that and then what we'd also like to know is, you know, um, I believe in the last few weeks you visited the McLaren Technology Centre. So we'd like to have a bit of an insight into what that's like. So, uh, well, uh, when I started watching Formula One, I didn't have a favorite team or uh, I think it was back in the 90s, something like that. Um I, I didn't have a favorite driver or a favorite team. Uh, all that was later. Um, I, I was at the end of the nineties. I was a big fan, um, especially uh, during uh, the early zero, uh, early uh, two thousand years. Uh, but it but, uh, became different when I uh, when Jensen Button uh, came on the picture. Um, and he literally destroyed Jacques Villeneuve's career at VAR. Because of that, I became a big fan of him. Uh, I followed him everywhere he, where he go. And at 2010, he went to McLaren. So there was I. And then since then, you've always followed McLaren after that. Obviously, Jensen retired in, I think it was 2014? Um, no, so uh, 16. 2016. Uh, yeah. Came back for uh, for a race at um, Monaco, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, and yeah, always 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 followed him. Um, yeah, and and I stick around at McLaren because I I didn't want to have a new favorite driver. I just uh, yeah took two horses to bet on. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of kind of satisfied me. So. Uh, you know, that, I think that sort of happens to a, to a lot of people. You, you start, you get into the sport because you you maybe like a driver, and then um, they drive for a team, and then you kind of start liking that team. And when they leave, you think, oh, well, I quite like that team. I'll stay with that team and things like that. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, like I mentioned earlier, you're part of uh, a group of uh, McLaren fans uh, based in the Netherlands. Um, and uh, I believe that you've had some uh, a few events in the Netherlands at McLaren car dealerships and things like that. 
Um, but yes, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I, well, I understand that there's quite a few of you uh, went to the McLaren Technology Centre. So how, how did that come about? Did that come about from um, sort of the group itself or sort of the, was there like an invite or was it, obviously it was a special day. If you could tell us a little bit about it, maybe what you saw, what your favourite bit was. Uh, well, uh, I, I, you probably know Gerald, uh, like everyone knows him. He's been on the podcast before, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, once in a while, I get a message from him uh, if I want to meet, uh, go to the, uh, a meet that was back in 2019. Uh, that was the first meet. Then, uh, well, skip to, to now. Uh, I got a, another DM from him to uh, asking me if I want to go to the MTC. So, uh, well... Uh, my, my reply was, are you mad? Uh, that, that's not a question you have to ask. Uh, <laughs> of course, I'm, uh, I'm going with you. Uh, yeah, and what did I see? Uh, we, we went there on a Wednesday. Uh, first, we went to the Mercedes World on Wednesday oh, yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Um, the first day in the morning, we, we went to an MC, and the first thing we, we saw was the, the VIP. Uh, pass uh, we got and yeah, it, it was such a, a special moment when we got to hear that we could keep it at, at the end of the of the day and yeah excellent uh, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely a souvenir not a lot of McLaren fans have isn't it so that's good and then yeah and, and no uh, the first one of the first things we got was uh, was a special cookie uh, with the McLaren with the McLaren squish um, and then we got split up in two groups, uh, one group with Gerald, uh, who, you know, who's always, almost a child at home. So he knew all the, the special and the secret uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, and I was in the other group. Uh, and you know, we, we just got to see all the cars they, that they got there. Uh, not, um, not all, but... Uh, yeah, a lot. The trophy cabinet was was awesome. The yeah, it, it it was it was a very special day, and I hope ever to come back to the MTCs to see the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said you uh, you had one of the cookies. Um, they are pretty amazing, aren't they? I think until you've actually had <laughs> one of the current cookies, you just you know you can't even describe what they're like they are just amazing yeah I've, I've been lucky enough to try one myself in the past some somebody would say I've maybe tried too, a few too many now and then but there you go um yeah <laughs> didn't you make some as well Andy? I tried to make some once they were nowhere near as good um maybe we should have a competition and give something away if people make cookies then we will do that on twitter McLaren fans podcast bake-off yeah, maybe we'll do that. That might be a good idea. So you said that, yeah, you got kind of introduced. You had a uh, sort of given the cookie. You had a bit of a tour. What did what did you see on that tour? Was there, um, you know, any any cars that you saw? Was there anything? Uh, well, basically, it was. Uh, um, you start with the uh, with the first uh, McLaren car uh, from Denny Holm. Uh, next to it, it was uh, the first World Championship car of uh, Emerson Filippoli. 
the MP4-1 from uh, Prost, the MP4-4 from, uh, well, the best car ever made. Great. The Vodafone cars, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, that that, had, that was my biggest interest because, uh, well, the the the, the 2010 car of Jensen, uh, of course. Uh, I yeah, we also saw the golf car of uh, Monaco last year. Um, yeah. I think that was my favorite. And, with the golf and, they, and they were working on the the cars <laughs> that just got back from Miami. Uh, they, they have this big workshop and. Well, they, they were just working on the cars they just got back to it that they just used for the races at Miami. So, yeah, it was quite special, uh, I guess. Excellent, excellent. We, we, we talk a lot about the, uh, the, the Honda years uh, on, the, on the podcast here. So I'm, I'm sure you listen to them. Did, did they have any more of the, the recent Honda cars or were they more sort of the, the center era Honda cars that they had on display? Uh, especially the the, the Senna ones. Uh, not really, uh, yeah, the, the 2015 and later car. They don't want to remind it of. I think. Um, <laughs> but but uh, the the 80s 80s cars they are uh, still there and uh, yeah it's I I thought that they were going to get them at, to prepare them for Goodwood. To, uh, to do another run with him. And he, talk, he talks about the, the trophy cabinet. Have, have they now put the, the, the famous Sonic the Hedgehog trophy on display or is that still hidden away somewhere? Wait, which one? The European Grand Prix, the, um, the Sega uh, trophy. Oh, I asked about it. It's, uh, yeah, that's quite, quite coincidence. Uh, well, I really asked, uh, is the Sonic somewhere around? But uh, the, the guy that gave the tour uh, wasn't aware of it, of where it was. So, no, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah. That's a shame. Come on, McLaren, you need to get the Sonic <laughs> Donington on display. <laughs> In fact, we should all send Zach Brown a tweet and ask him to put the Sonic trophy on display. Absolutely. Maybe do that. Maybe we should make them some cookies, send them all to Zach, and then add a little note saying, put the uh, the Sega on display. Please, Zach, do that. If he, if he listens to us as to what he eats, as opposed to what Daniel told him to eat recently, then, you know, we'll, we'll see which one he prefers. Yeah. Maybe yeah, Zach probably. does listen to the podcast. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> You'll never get invited back now after you said that, mate. Hello? <laughs> Right, should we um, should we get on to the the race weekend then and discuss a little bit about that? Um, it's it's hard to talk about the Monaco race weekend as a McLaren fan without talking about Daniel Ricciardo. Really, at this point, um, obviously he had the crash in practice. And it, you know, it was quite a big crash. There was quite a lot of work to do. Guys in the garage are going to be working a bit longer than they thought that night. Uh, but I kind of felt it put him on the back foot for the whole weekend. And there'll be people out there that say, "Where well, you go? Here's another excuse why Dan hasn't done so well, or something like that." But I just 
think that he just, after that, he just didn't have the confidence to go and nail a lap of Monaco in that car because he's just not had the time in it, the practice in it. And if he's not feeling so great in the car, then it's just not going to happen. Maybe we'll see better in Baku. Um, but but who knows? Uh, yeah. Th- thoughts, gentlemen? Um, Mark? I think, in, well, I think his crash just probably shows that he is under pressure and maybe he's trying too hard. Um, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more later on about about, about, about other potential um, McLaren drivers. But, I mean, for me, the, the, the mood music that's coming out of McLaren isn't very good for Dan. Um, you know, with, with Zach openly saying in the press that they've been having motivational talks with him. Uh, and rumours about there being a performance clause within his contract. Um, I can't remember who this quote was attributed to exactly. I, I don't know if it was Andreas, but I think someone said they've tried to specifically build this year's car around Daniel. I, I, I appreciate that he, we won a race last year, which, you know, Marion wants to keep reminding us of that we won a race, but, you know, he, he's clearly still struggling in, in that car. And, as as McLaren fans, you know we, we do support the team and then we and we support the drivers who who are driving the car. But ultimately, McLaren's McLaren was there before Daniel was there, and Lando and Zach and and McLaren will be there after those that those guys have gone. So, you know, I, we can only sort of guess from this from the stuff that's being released to the press that there are some very difficult conversations going on um, at the MTC in, in, in Woking at the moment, and. Yeah, Dan, again, unfortunately, Daniel didn't perform as we would like him to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with any of that. But you know, um, Joss, what 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 about yourself? What's your kind of thoughts on what's happening with Dan? Well, like uh, Andreas said lately, uh, he just needs a proper weekend. Um, the the only proper weekend he got was in uh, Melbourne. Uh, where he was well uh, on the tail of Fernando, uh, so that was that was quite good. And all the other weekends he had, or a crash, or, uh, or a mechanic failure, and it was, yeah, he, he just needs some confidence, and then he probably will get back in the results we are used to. But for now, the crash in uh, the second free practice, um, well. Yeah, it can happen, but yeah, it happens um, maybe a bit too often uh, with him. I don't think any of us are saying that he's a he's a bad driver. Absolutely not. You, you don't become a bad driver overnight. But you know, Formula One, just like any other sport, is is very much a confidence game. And when when you're lacking confidence, it it really really shows. Um, the difficulty for Daniel is that his teammate is out driving and out performing the car that he's got underneath him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surely. But, but uh, well, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but uh, if let's, you're going to replace... talk about it now since we've all got into it. So let's kind of discuss a bit more on it and, and go into a bit more. We'll come back to the race. So yeah, go, go for it. Uh, if, you, if you're going to replace him, um, who who's going to stand in... in in uh, for him because I don't, I, I can't imagine anyone who's uh, capable of uh, replacing him. Maybe Oscar Piastri, but any other driver 
Yeah, I don't. I don't see uh, see them doing it. I, I don't think it's a, I, I don't necessarily want to be want us to be having this conversation, but but I think his performances are sort of you know dictating the agenda a little bit. I, I don't think we should be looking to replace him mid season. Um, absolutely not. Um, if it was decided that you know Lando needs a, a new new driving partner next year, then I, I think we've already got Colton Herter lined up to fill that. Just out of interest, Colton Herter also crashed this weekend. So you know. he did. No, well, <laughs> okay, yeah, so, a bit of balance there. But I yeah, mean, so, so, so did Nicholas Latifi. But you know, what's your point? Nicholas Latifi <laughs> crashes every weekend, Mark. Uh, yeah, fair. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 but but I, but I think the other week when when they had the Indianapolis uh, race with, with in the the inner circuit. I, th- I think we were all, I think if any of us who saw it were very impressed with how Colton Herter could handle the car then. I think he's then, definitely uh, maybe in the pick of two or three drivers that could get that seat next year. But there's also a good read, but that's probably one of the reasons why, why Zach has brought him in as a test driver. Yeah. And and Zach's also, and he, let's not forget, Zach's American. He's very keen for McLaren to get, you know, a much bigger market within, within America. Mm. And Colton Herter is, is an up-and-coming star of... I'm not just going to say IndyCar, but motorsport in general. Yeah. And he's going to be very marketable in the US. And, and I know you want to talk about your grand branding on your gazebos later, but I think <laughs> Zach, Zach's going to sell an awful lot of um, advertising by having an American driver. Yeah. And, that would be, and, and not just for McLaren, that the number of races we're, we're going to in America now, yeah. F1 needs yeah. a successful American driver. Exactly. Very important. Absolutely, and and Zach is going to be the one the one who's going to want to deliver um for, deliver that. So I've got two things written down here. <clears throat> Daniel scored eleven points so far this season in seven rounds. That's the lowest since Stoffel Van in twenty eighteen. So that tells its own story. And the other thing I've written down here is that could that could Dan be suffering from long COVID? Could that be it? Could he be having a bit of after effects of that? Because he did come back pretty quickly afterwards. And I remember last season, Lewis saying that it took him a while to get back to up to strength and everything else like that. But am I just kind of finding the excuses here? Or I've not met Yost before, but I'm not medically trained. Andy, you're not medically trained. I don't know what Yost does for a living. I don't know what we can, you know. Say about no, uh, I, I also don't have any medical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I I don't know if you got COVID yourself, but um, well, I, I've I've got it uh, in February, and I was back, oh, uh, in in re, re, uh, decent health, um, of a March something, right? But yeah, it it, it could. It caused uh, quite a. Um, yeah, it, it could get you quite quite well, but it could get you quite well, but um, yeah, yeah, you could. But, but if if that's the case, then uh, also uh, Vettel should have bad results, and he's back in his game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, um, <laughs> One thing I want to say about Colin Hurd, I uh, last year uh, Pato was driving the young driver test, and he was 
physically totally wasted after it. Why uh, is Colin Herta uh, able to uh, to have better health than Pato? Because they look similar to me. Yeah, I, I thought Pato was being lined up for the next for the F1 seat basically, but I I, I think he's. I don't know. I don't know whether he did or didn't impress at the young driver test, but um, you know, hasn't he just signed on for another couple of years? Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. sign on for. So he seems to be stuck, you know, yeah. with McLaren and IndyCar and leaving that. And to be fair, he's the star of the show over that for McLaren, isn't he? So they'd be mad to bring him into F one across from there at the minute. So yeah, I, I, I just want to say, I just want to say, sort of, I I want Daniel to succeed as much as anyone does. You know, I've, I've, I've got family down in Perth where, where Daniel's from who are really excited to see him in a McLaren. And, you know, I think these are difficult conversations that, that you know, we as fans are having. And we can only imagine how difficult the conversations are at the MTC. You know, we want to see both our drivers do well. But if one is doing infinitely better than the other, then, you know, you, you, you can be sure as, as anything that, the McLaren, that Andreas and Zach are trying to get to the bottom of that as best they can, and they're working with Daniel to do that. You know, he just it just feels like he needs to to do his bit as well, which he's trying to do, but something's not working. Yeah, I agree. Right, anything else on that, or should we move on to the next bit and talk a little bit about the race? Let's go for that. Yeah, let's talk about something cheerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a shambles the race was. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah the race start was crazy. Um, yeah why it was delayed due to rain or anything else like that was just beyond me at some points. And then obviously we got the, the real big downpour of the weather and you kind of thought, okay, yeah, you could delay it to that. But it just seemed, I don't know, we've, we've all watched F1 for a long time. We've seen races start in places in wetter conditions than that. Um, so it was a bit disappointing that it didn't kind of go ahead. And like you said there, Mark, uh, uh, earlier on, one of the things that really struck me was the teams all put these gazebos up. Um, I don't know if gazebo is, uh, um, uh, translates into Dutch pretty well, but it's like, a, you know, the, the tents that they put over the cars when it's raining. Um, but it was interesting that there was absolutely no branding on them from any of the teams and I found that really strange not that there's ever been that before but I've just sat there and thought surely there's marketing people out there going right we should have uh, be sponsored by a, a wet weather protection company and get it put on those things it might only come out once or twice a year but when they do the TVs are clamoring to kind of have anything on the on the screen and they're you know you're going to have loads of exposure for that 10 minutes that there's a rain thing so yeah, um, yeah, I would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, thoughts on the sort of race weekend and the start, Just. Um, oh yeah, start. Uh, um, it was good. Uh, they didn't start the clock already uh, when uh, when they did the two formation laps. So we uh, still have the the starting time at uh, three or four o'clock or something. And um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was better than uh, than the last swimming pool in, um, uh, in Spa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, yeah. they learned from this. 
yeah, it, it, it was it was okay, not bad, but and, and also not good, but it was decent and yeah, acceptable. Yeah. What about you, Mark, what do you think? I'd, I'd, well, yeah, I'd, we, I think we've all, all understand that the, the start was was a, was a bit of a fast and sort of going out for a couple of laps and then going in for goodness knows how long and then the rain stopped and they still went racing and, you know, all the, you know, a lot of the sort of XF1 drivers that I've, and you guys probably follow on Twitter, were all saying, why aren't we racing yet? This is, this is ridiculous. And I kind of felt a little bit sorry for Monaco at the, uh, with, with that because it, it almost felt like it was being set up to make Monaco look a bit rubbish. Um, I mean, Monaco's got its good points and its bad points. The bad points, obviously, being you don't always get a huge amount of overtaking, but it just made the the organisation look 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 a bit of a joke. And it's like, why can't we go racing? You know, where however long it is now, the rain is coming down, coming down possibly very lightly, but we should just get on and race the cars. Now these are meant to be the best drivers in the world; they can cope with a bit of rain. Yeah, and we should. I mean, yeah, you know, kind of. It's a street circuit and everything like that, but you know, kind of, you race to the conditions, and you should be able to adapt. Like you said, the best drivers in the world. Um, I'm sure, you know, kind of, if you look back at that, you would never have had um, if they run the same rules. You'd never have had the sort of famous center almost being Prost in '84. Yeah. You would never have had that um, amazing win by Oliver Panis in '96. You know, there's a lot of wet races that have happened in Monaco that have been classics and mixed everything up. And I'm pretty sure that as fans, yeah, you know, we're McLaren fans, we want to see races where things get mixed up, especially if we're a midfield team, because it gives us opportunities. It gives us opportunities to win something. It gives us opportunities for podiums, better points, mix things up. We all know Monaco is a bit of a sort of procession and nobody can really pass. So anything to kind of add a bit of jeopardy to it was... But, but that, I think that's my point, with, with it being the last race of the contract for Monaco, you know, the, the, the negotiations aren't going to be going that well after after this year. And personally, I, I while it's not the best race on the calendar, I, I think it's there for a good reason and, and I'd hate for it to, to not be on the calendar. You know, it's in, just, in it's place, a place that I like to watch because it's historic. Yeah. And you know the drivers are at the edge of the skill level going around that track. Yeah, um, to a point. So, if you um, try it on the, the, the Formula One game, uh, you have to take well, like ten front wings with you. Otherwise, you can't make it to the end. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've played. I've tried that a few times. Maybe more than ten for me. Uh, it is a difficult track, but you know when you watch some of the. Actually, I thought the uh, the onboard helmet cam this weekend was amazing. Going around Monaco. That is one of the tracks that that is built for. It was a great shot. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, they, they also used a clearer visor than normal, so you could see better. Yeah, yeah, it worked fantastic. So hopefully we see a bit more of that. Um, on the sort of the race itself, not a lot happened um, for us. Kind of the notes I've got here, we got a Lando got a free stop basically due to Alonso going uh, and holding everybody up. Um, uh, yeah, does, does anyone know why he did that? 
Was, no was that just Fernando having fun? No, nobody, yeah, nobody, because he, he absolutely compromised Ocon as well, his teammates in that race. Um, and then for Lando to finish P6 and Dan P13, um, I thought Lando was, was, was pretty okay. You know, that's a good result for us. Um, and he was so close to getting George on the line as well. Yeah. And he got a lap on the last lap too. But it's so difficult to pass. And, and once Dan had lost that place, that was that was it really. I thought it just wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we're kind of running out of time here. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. So um, maybe we can just kind of sum up quickly about Monaco. Um, anything, any last thoughts on it? Well, should, shouldn't there be some sort of uh, minimum time you have to do within a lap where can you just go as slow as you want because you like that? Or uh, if, if there's a technical issue, uh, it's understandable, but it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's a very bizarre strategy. Nobody knows what's going on. So it just With the 10 laps, yeah, it was 30, 30 seconds behind or something. Uh, and and then all of a sudden, he had the fastest lap of the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me. Perez, it reminded me of Perez at Abu Dhabi last year when he was holding up Lewis to sort of <laughs> catch up. But I mean, with best of the world, Perez was doing that for a reason. He was playing the team game, but goodness only knows what Fernando was doing. Yeah, yeah, just, or Jonas yeah. uh, Rudy in uh, 2004 in uh, also Monaco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good old Trudy train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. he won it uh, eventually. Yeah. Saying, uh, saying that Lando got fastest lap, which was good. Uh, extra points. Yeah. Keep forgetting that you get a point for that. Um, but yeah, I think it was like two laps left and he was five seconds behind George. And I was thinking, well, he's not going to get anywhere near him. And then, like you see, nearly picked him on the line. Um, that was and without, without sort of just talking about being, you know, medically trained again, he's still not well either. He's still not 100%. Yeah, you can tell. He's been very ill by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, you know, you can see a lot of the posts and people saying that knowing that he's not his bubbly self and stuff like that. Right. Thank you very much, guys. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks for just for joining us all the way from the Netherlands. And uh, I will say tot scenes. Um, <laughs> and Mark. Uh, once again, thanks for stepping in. And uh, one, one day we'll just have you on as a normal guest. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been I've been co-host more times than I have been a normal guest. So, <laughs> so we didn't get confused by not having someone with purple hair as your co-host. Well, you could always wear a wig. Anyway, on that note, oh, yeah. uh, the next race is Baku, and we'll be back for that. So, thank you very much.